1: On this special live edition of Locked On Raptors, here on a Thursday, we dig into the Toronto Raptors not doing a whole lot at the deadline outside of adding one Jakob Purtle. We will dig into what it means. We'll dig into whether it's good or not. We'll take your questions as well on this live edition of Locked On Raptors. Thanks so much for hanging. Oh, like, cause when I shot, I expected to make it, so like, I don't shoot kind of miss. So. Welcome to episode number 1339, a special live recording of Locked On Raptors here on Thursday, February the 9th. I am, of course, your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons and have yet to see a weirder trade deadline. Then this one, I, uh, you can, of course, follow the show on Twitter at locked on Raptors. You can follow me at Woodley Sean, where you can find all of my work from my many years covering the Toronto Raptors. Uh, you can also uh, go to YouTube, hit the big red subscribe button. You're watching it here. If you're presumably seeing it live. Uh, so hit the YouTube subscribe button to support the show, get in the chat, all that good stuff. And, uh, I will get to some questions at the end of the show. As well, uh, lots to get to on the show. We're first going to tell you about our friends at FanDuel who are bringing you today's show, the official sports book of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit slash locked on today to get started. All right, so we're going to run through the downsides of standing pat and adding purdle, standing purdle, if you will. Uh, we will get to your questions at the end of the show, but off the top, I want to kind of get into my initial feelings. On what the raptors did uh, you know we did the show earlier with yakup you know breaking down the rat yakup trade and sort of couching our judgment before knowing exactly what the team was going to do before three o'clock today as it turns out They did nothing else. Uh, Sounds like there were things on the table, potentially. There were rumors, reports from uh, Clippers beat reporters about how Terrence Mann in a first-round pick was too rich for the Clippers' blood for a Fred Van Vliet trade. Uh, If that's the case, then I think the Raptors were right to not make that trade. We talked about Terrence Mann being the guy I wanted to see come back the entire lead-up to the deadline. If the Clippers weren't going to play ball there, then I think they were right to not move on from Fred. There were reports that OG Ananobi was the apple of the Warriors' eye, potentially. And maybe there was a deal there. However, the reporting suggests that the the Warriors bristled at the idea of Jonathan Kaminga and picks for OG. And if that's the case, then I don't blame the Raptors for not doing anything at the deadline. If the deals were not there, then the deals were not there. And I know this is probably a disappointing turn of events for Raptors fans, right? It's been a tough season. They're 26-30. and 30. It's not been a very fun time. That said, I can see the logic here, especially after hearing Masai Ujiri talk, I can see the logic of what the Raptors are doing, and you know as much as this is not what I would have done. You know, I said going into the deadline, I think an OG trade was the thing to do to clear future money troubles, to replenish the cupboards with extra picks. They're now out a first round pick compared to the 24 hours ago. Um, it, it's it's tough stuff. It, it, it's you know it's not what I would would have done. I think. Earlier on the show, I said it was about a C grade for me, the Jakob Pertle trade, and I think I'm still there with the potential for it to get worse or better as time goes on here. Ultimately, I don't think this is some foolish death knell of a move by the Raptors. I don't think this suggests that the front office is washed. I don't think this suggests that the Raptors don't have a plan. In fact, I would argue this clarifies the Raptors' vision more than anything they've done over the last couple seasons. What did we talk about all season long? Is What was the thing missing from this team? It was rim protection. It was a center. It was A, also, other players to soak up more minutes so seven or eight guys aren't playing 39 minutes a night. They ended up addressing that with this move. Yes, it might seem late in the game, if there is one thing to quibble with, I might have said do this earlier in the season. obviously you require the other team to play ball in that situation. and from all accounts, the the Spurs wanted two first rounders for Yaka Pertle you know a month ago, a month and a half ago. You weren't getting him for the price you probably got him for the day before the deadline a month ago. So that's not even necessarily a super fair thing to say. but you know that that I think is the argument is they, they waited too long. it's too late in the game now to have saved this season. You know, you look at the standings, obviously they're in 10th right now. There's still four and a half games out of the sixth seed. I don't think I'm putting any hopes on making a run at number six, seven or eight. Certainly not not out of the question, especially considering the ease of the schedule coming up. That's a lot of teams to jump. But I do think this is, again, a declaration of what the vision for the Raptors is. And I kind of think it's the exact same vision that led them to a championship in the last decade, which is collect good players, have good basketball players on your roster, be good, Stay relevant and then wait for the opportunity to strike when it arises. Whether it's a Kawhi Leonard or a disgruntled star of some kind, whether it's you get into the playoffs and you run into good injury luck, like the Raptors certainly did when they won the title. It doesn't take away them winning the title, but they did get a lot of injury luck in that title run for sure. Specifically in the finals with Kevin Durant. Um, you know, uh, it's not, again, the the perfect outcome here for the deadline, I don't think, but I also completely understand. The logic of keeping your guys together, not trading guys for the sake of trading guys just because it seems like the standard you know, practice of what you do when you're losing in a season and the deadline comes about. This is the Raptors, A, banking on their ability to keep their guys, and B, banking on their ability to build upon what has, yes, been a disappointing season, but is also a team that a year ago... Won 48 games and was, quote-unquote, the team no one wanted to play in the first round. Came into this season highly, you know, projected within the standings. Everyone smacking the over. Obviously, it didn't work out that way. And this season has been a disappointment. But I think there's a difference between playing poorly and actually being a bad team. And all of the numbers suggest... That this isn't actually a bad team. The individual players are very good. We know this. There's a reason there was a bidding war, it seemed. Maybe not enough of a bidding war, but there was clearly some sort of bidding war for these various guys. And they were coveted around the league, OG in particular. There's a reason uh, that there was that hype of this team coming into the year. There's a reason they won 48 games last year. They have good players on hand. It hasn't worked this year. The mix has been off, of course. And how you address the, mist, I, the, the mix, I don't really know. Maybe Yaka pertle coming in solidifies some roles. Maybe it moves Gary Trent Jr. to a bench role of some kind, pressures Achua back to the bench. You have more of a stable rotation. Um, you get guys are, are able to sort of know the pockets of the game they're going to slot in, whatever it might be. I do think that this, again, clarifies that this team is not bottoming out. I think them trading the first round pick kind of suggested that was not going to happen. They didn't trade this year's first round pick, and I think that's very good, smart move. <laughs> you know, even if it's maybe going to end up being like the 13th or 14th or 17th pick in the draft. Um, but like this signals their intentions. Their intentions are keep good players on the team be as good as possible try to capture whatever they had last year with the addition of a real center which has been the thing that's plagued them all season long get 26 games to look at this group and see what you do next maybe that leads to a trade of og and Anopia at the deadline maybe that means you go and you you ship off a guy in a sign-in trade whether it's fred or it's trent maybe you bring back all three and trade off a chris boucher or something like that to free up the money to make it happen and stay under the tax all those things are possible, and there are plenty of ways this could blow up in the Raptors' face, right? Like, they could lose guys in the offseason. They could uh, never pr- cash in on OG's value, end up overpaying him in 18 months and be locked into him a- at a deal that maybe isn't as favorable as his contract is right now. Uh, obviously, you have the tensions of ball, you know, ball dominance and who's getting the possessions and all that going on, too. That didn't get addressed here by any means. There's still ways in which this can go wrong, but in general... My philosophy, if you've watched this show throughout however long, you know, I've been doing it for seven years now, has always been bottoming out is not my my style, not what I would like to see. I'd like to see a team try to be competitive and good. And when you have good players, to me, the logic is, let's see if we can milk a good team out of the good players as opposed to shipping off said good players for deals that aren't exactly going to match your requirements. So again, I, I understand the... Potential disappointment in what the Raptors did or didn't do here. Um, I understand those who wanted to see a, a big offseason overhaul or, or a deadline overhaul, and that still could come. I also completely understand the logic, and in general, I don't mind the philosophy of giving it more time, being patient, seeing how things work, and especially Masai Ujiri said this in his media availability after the deadline, in that he kind of copped to if there's a thing where I failed in, it wasn't it was in not putting the guys like Jakob Pertle, getting those guys that they clearly needed, the needs that needed to be filled, addressed sooner. And I think it's a totally, I think, fair thing on Masai's front as far as just like being a boss to say, you know what, I didn't put the people under me in the best position to succeed. Let's get a guy who can help with that. And if that doesn't help matters, then we revisit things and maybe bigger changes are made in the offseason. I still think there's totally the possibility that OG gets moved to the draft, for example. Um, you know, Maybe they even open up Pascal Siakam discussions in the offseason. I doubt that's going to happen. But um, I, I think what they've done here at the deadline, while it seems disappointing, there's a logic to it that, in general, I agree with. Even if coming into the deadline, I would have said, get off OG if you can and get what you can for him. If the deals weren't there, then that becomes a lot harder. And as Masai said as well, the deals just weren't there. We're gonna come back. Uh, I'm gonna get into uh, you know the significant downsides, things where this could really go wrong for the Raptors in a hot second. Before we do that, however, I do have to tell you about our good friends over at FanDuel, who are the official sports book of Locked On, who are good friends to us. And the Super Bowl is coming up this weekend. They're the app you gotta have. You know, you could have your mozzarella sticks or your wings or your veggie tray or whatever, but instead, why don't you get the FanDuel app and you will have yourself a great time during the Super Bowl. You can download the FanDuel app now so you can bet Super Bowl 57 with a No Sweat First Bet. You'll get up to $3,000 in bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. FanDuel lets you bet on everything from the money line to point spreads to who's going to score a touchdown to Gatorade colors to coin flips. All of it under the sun over there on FanDuel. They also have their in-game parlays, same-game parlays as well. The FanDuel Sportsbook app is safe, secure, It's super easy to use. Best of all, you can get pager winnings instantly. So join FanDuel at fanduel.com slash locked on to claim your no-sweat first bet on Super Bowl 57. That's fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sportsbook partner of the NFL and locked on.
0: Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
1: All right. Let's uh, dive into where this could go wrong for the Raptors. And there are plenty of avenues in which this goes wrong. The obvious thing is, for me, the the part where if you're going to tell me that this is a bad deadline for the Raptors, going into the offseason with three very important pending UFAs is the thing to sell me on that case because it's queasy it makes you feel pretty unsure about how it's all going to look especially when you consider one of the issues going on this season at least the burblings the rumblings the the sort of underneath stuff has been you know the just like the general vibes within the team have been off the hierarchy's been off there's been not a ton of role definition there's been tension over possession stuff like that if you read the reports believe the reports that seems to have been a thing that's been a through line throughout this season, and again, this move doesn't address that at all, and if you go into the offseason and say a Gary Trent Jr. was hoping to have some touches freed up for him at the deadline, only to have another guy added to the mix that's going to probably trim his minutes just a smidge, maybe that's something that you don't love, (laughs) And, and maybe that puts you at risk of losing a Gary Trent Jr. for nothing. I don't think Jakob Purtle is a flight risk. You know, obviously, dear friends with Pascal Siakam, he's a Raptors guy from the draft, obviously. Um, there seems to be a pretty good relationship there, and there will be a very clear starting role for him on this team going forward if he does, in fact, sign a new deal. My guess is his new deal comes in around 16 to $18 million bucks a year. Uh, that's perfectly fine for a, a starter, uh, I, I think, especially a starter who addresses your needs the way Jakob Purtle does. Where it gets interesting is with the Fred and the Gary Trent stuff. You know, the Raptors have a history of using bird rights as a a tool, as a weapon, as a thing to be traded for. I think that's what you're seeing with Jakob Pertl, same way they did with Serge Ibaka, for example, back in the day. They trade for Serge, uses bird rights, keep him around. That's easy. And Jakob Pertl, I think a lot like Gary Trent Jr., is like the type of player who gets squeezed by the open market quite a bit because... When you go into the open market, there's only so many teams with cap space, and they're probably devoting that cap space to better players than your Jakob Pirtles, Gary Trent Juniors, your fifth starters of the world. And so I think those two guys, in theory, should be pretty easy to retain. Fred Van Vliet, obviously, maybe there's a bit more of a flight risk there. The Orlando Magic are going to have a lot of cap space. They seem like they're interested. Um, the Phoenix Suns, you know who, know, who knows what's going to happen with Chris Paul here. Maybe that's something that comes back around. They've been rumored as a potential Van Vliet free agent destination even before the Kevin Durant trade. And I wonder, depending on how the playoffs go, if that rears its head again in the offseason. Um, you know, the, the downside here is you lose one or more than one of those guys for nothing in the offseason. I can't imagine they went into this thinking we don't stand a chance of keeping these guys there's very clearly agent conversations that go on this is a thing it's constant communication. It's not like they just call up Fred Van Vliet's agent on you know July the first to be like, "Hey, you want to sign?" Like they've talked. They they, they they there's there's conversations going on there, and so I bet I bet they feel like they have a good chance of retaining them. All that said, weird things happen. The last twenty six games go super awry, and then you're in a bit of a, a pickle coming into the off season. There's also the financial question, right? As uh, was noted in the in, in the conversation here from a couple people, the money is going to be hard. Um, they're going to have, as it stands right now, about $60 bucks to work with under the tax to try to sign those three guys in the offseason, assuming that you waive Thad Young later on in the offseason before his, his guarantee date for next season. You know, I think the concern there is, you know, how are you overpaying? Are you going to overpay these guys? Or are you going to lowball them and have them look elsewhere because you're working within confines of the amount of money you have? There are ways to work around it, obviously. You know, you can be over the tax going into the season and shed money by the deadline and still not have to pay tax. That's the thing, so there's that. There's also, uh, you know, between Fred, between Gary, between Yak, if you can get them in at, like... 65, 70 million, they have ways of shedding money, whether it's Otto Porter Jr. in the offseason. Maybe a contender wants him for a second round pick or something like that, as he's going to be back next year, probably opt in. Um, you've also got the potential of uh, Chris Boucher, who makes 12.5 million bucks. Maybe you can offload him somewhere to free up that money to keep your guys around. There are ways to do this. The cap wizards figure out ways to do this all the time under the cap. And so I don't think the cap stuff necessarily worries me as much as just the potential of you got three dudes there who are uncertain and kind of hanging out there. There's the comment here from TB pointing out treadmill, baby woo. Uh, <laughs> and look, I get the, the fear of being a treadmill team too. You don't want to be a treadmill team, but I think to say this team is a treadmill team, a is premature. They're in year two of whatever this is. We don't know what this is. Would you have said the 2015 Raptors were in year two, were, were a treadmill team. Maybe you would have, but then they stopped being on the treadmill and improved and 150 plus games and advanced and advanced and advanced. Um, you know, that that was, I think, what they're going for here once again. They're early in that timeline, and so it feels like you're on the treadmill. It's backwards from what last year was. Hopefully by the end of this season, we can get some fun ball in, and maybe you feel a little better about where things sit. But I understand the fear of the treadmill. I just think that is undercutting Scotty Barnes's existence. The dude's 21 years old. He is your vehicle to internal growth, and... To me, this move to get Pirtle and not move off these other guys is kind of a declaration that the Raptors front office believes fully and wholeheartedly that Scotty Barnes is going to become that dude. Whatever that dude looks like, whether he's a top 15 player, whether he's a top 20 player, a top 10 player, whatever it is, he's going to be someone who you can say is a franchise player. This is what they're saying here and that they can have growth. Via the internal growth you get from a Scotty Barnes, not to mention a precious at you and not to mention whomever they take in the first round this year, whether it's again, it could be the sixth pick, it could be the 18th pick, we don't really know just yet. However, um, that I think is is the argument here is you have internal, you you have upward mobility just with the guys you have on hand right now. And maybe you don't buy it. Maybe you don't think Scotty Barnes is that dude. And if that's the case, then there are bigger problems for sure. I think there's been plenty to look at with Scotty Barnes, the clutch scoring, the uh, obviously the 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 like the ability to kind of take over a game when he wants to, get to his spots when he wants to. All of those things I, I think translate in the future to a star-level player in Scotty Barnes. You have the beautiful passing vision. I think there is a defensive role for him, and actually I think playing next to Jakob Pertl, that sort of roamer role that I think scotty has been really good with lately. That feels like maybe the, the sort of silo you put him in the, the, the lane you put him in defensively and say, this is the type of defender. You're going to be Scotty. You're going to be a help side rim protector. You're going to roam. You're going to be long. You're going to jump passing lanes. You're going to do kind of what the Celtics ask of Robert Williams, even um, just kind of hanging out off ball and causing a mess with length and all of that. You get less exposed with the things. He's not so good at defense. Uh, you know, I think, that's that's the avenue off the treadmill here. A- and look, there's other downsides too, right? You, you if for those who love the lottery and were super hyped on potentially tanking down for a, a Yama or a Scoot Henderson or at least a shot at one of those two, you're never getting into the top five or four. But you know, obviously, lottery luck happens in all sorts of ways. But, you know, for those who are draft lovers and didn't get to, don't get to, you know, count the lottery balls because the Raptors are very clearly making a push here for some sort of climb in the standings, I get the disappointment for sure. Being able to draft high end talent guys helps matters quite a bit. I just feel like they clearly think Scotty Barnes is that dude, they've already gotten their lottery luck. Why toil down there longer than you have to when you can say, hey, We didn't get the development we wanted this season, but we have good players on the roster. We have a guy now in Yakupertal who makes the roster make a little bit more sense. We've got lineups that can make a little bit more sense. We still have guys like Precious and Scotty on the climb. There's no reason to nuke this thing and have to restart from, from scratch because... There's a world in which Scotty Barnes grows into the type of player who looks around and sees the supporting cast of Jakob Pertl and Pascal Siakam and OG and Trent and Fred, or you know one of those two, whoever many you keep in the offseason. He looks around and says, damn, look at this incredibly good uh, supporting cast I have. I want to play here for a long time. That's how you manage a star. You want to be Luka Doncic in the Dallas Mavericks where you're making desperation trades for Kyrie Irving because you failed to build a supporting cast around uh, Luka Doncic for five years? that's a really risky game to play. And and I think the Raptors are doing a smart thing here in not overreacting to a bad start to the season. Again, there's a difference between being a bad team and a team that's played badly. I don't think they're a bad team. I've said all along, there is a good team hidden somewhere within their midst. Whether that's going to come out remains to be seen. It better come out in the last 26 games or there will be big changes in the offseason, I would assume. Um, But I, I like the idea of, patience here. It's not the worst thing in the world to be patient. It's one of the great market inefficiencies. And that was another thing Masai Ujiri talked about today. And it's always nice when I say things that Masai then later agrees with. Um, But, you know, I've said all along, I think we get too quick with the trigger of this team's going nowhere, got to change it up. Like, give it time, give it like the Raptors won a championship waiting seven years to get to the top of the mountain. It happens like that sometimes. It's not to say they're gonna do it again and climb the mountain in the exact same poetic fashion they did, but the the, the the sound like the soundness of the plan does make a lot of sense to me. So again, I totally get the disappointment from some people. Um, I, I I understand it for sure. I just I think the the vision here. Is clearer than it ever really has been before. I don't think they're married to everyone has to be six foot nine and versatile. I think they realized they had to get a real big man in there. You know, there was, Masai mentioned, like him and Nurse, no, yeah, we got to get a big in here. We got to do this thing. Um, you know, and as Andre points out, yeah, Fred, Trent, and Pertle are free agents. That's the downside here. One of those guys leaves for nothing, you're screwed. It's bad. It's bad asset management. It could blow up in their face. I can't imagine they go into this with three pending UFAs not thinking they can either keep them or flip them in sign-in trades in the offseason. Because, again, sign-in trades are a tool. They got Precious Achua in a sign-in trade. Like, you can get stuff... In sign and trades, especially in a league where cap space is at a premium and it's really hard to sign guys straight into space. Um, so yeah, and, and a good point here from Nameless pointing out that this is a much more polished version of Jakob Purtle than we've seen before. That's totally true. They're going to be able to run fun offense through him. I think the the combination of him working from the elbows and you know Scotty working short rolls and Pascal working short rolls, like there's going to be a lot of weird, fun big man passing. That's cool. That's fun. Start dropping your questions, please, in the uh, the chat here. I will get to some questions in the final segment of the show. Before I do that, just a reminder, over on the Locked on NBA channel, you can go check it out. We have the Game to Game show, which is your nightly recap of all that's gone on in the NBA. If you missed the games, um, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a wonderful place to, to go. Get refreshed on everything you might have missed. And there will be a trade deadline-specific one running through all the trades coming up tomorrow morning in the Locked on NBA channel. So go
0: subscribe to Game to Game on Locked on NBA. Uh, let's get to some questions now,
1: shall we? Uh, let's uh hold on. Let me drop this stupid Chiron thing and let's uh let's bring in some questions, shall we? All right, question here from Andre: Who are the starters now? Are your projected starters? This is fun. Um, I think for me. I mean, there's lots of ways you could go, right? I, I do think we probably see Precious Attua back to the bench. I think obviously you're going to have Fred and Pascal in there, and you're going to have OG in there once he's back and healthy. I'm assuming we're just talking about at full health. Um, You know, for tomorrow I would guess Purtle in for Achua, and then you roll with the starting five they'd run with. Otherwise, I do think we'll probably see Fred, OG, Scotty, Pascal, Yak as a starting point. Just you know, they're going to mix it up, they're going to try things, they're going to go with different looks. But I do think um, the idea of a uh, of a you know, a bigger sort of group there. That could be a very good defensive unit. And you need the shooting. You need Siakam to shoot the way he did last night, not not the way he has of late. You need OG to bomb away. You need Fred to be shooting. Otherwise, I think you can make it work. Obviously, scotty has been at least willing to shoot of late. I don't hate that look. But I do think there are going to be ways in which you can change it up, right? We'll see games where they close with the small starting five that they've used a lot this year. We'll see games where Precious closes on the wing, maybe in a place of a Scotty, uh, just for that little extra sort of off-ball, you know, catch-and-drive type of stuff that Scotty maybe doesn't do all the time as an off-ball player. Um, You know, the nice thing is, as Nameless points out, in the chat here, uh, there's just more stuff the Raptors can do more different combinations they can roll with. I think we might see Gary Trent Jr. start in place of OG sometimes we'll, we'll see, um, you know, it might have something to do with the politics of who they're trying to keep and all of that too. That's certainly something for Nick Nurse to figure out here, you would hope there's open communication. But well, the other thing about Pirtle is that you, you add him to the rotation it's just fewer minutes everyone's going to have to play. So you can get other guys various pockets within the game where they can cook and get their looks. And so it's, um, you know, on its you know the, the picks the, the pick protections obviously we didn't even talk about those we did in the earlier show don't love the pick protections there are things to quibble with on this deal but as an on-court fit I think Yaka hurdle is going to help the Raptors a ton and that starting five questions a really good one without a clear answer I don't think but uh, I would imagine we'll see Fred OG Scotty Pascal and your Pirtle be your sort of go-to starting five now and that could be a hell of a defensive unit if, uh, if it all kind of lines up uh, a couple of questions here regarding the buyout market from Share and Sean was Share. I pulled you up on here. Um, Who can Raptors target in the buyout market? So the Raptors do have one open spot. You're gonna scream at me, Terrence Ross. Uh, (laughs) Look. Pat Patrick Beverly's out there, but I imagine he's probably going to go find his way back to Minnesota, where he's loved in a way that he's not loved by anybody else. Um, you know, Will Barton's an interesting guy, although I don't think Will Barton is a particularly talented player, um, or at least not like a useful, positive play-driving player. Frankly, uh, the one guy I really wish the Raptors had right now. And it, if I have a quibble with what the Raptors have done here, if they were going to go and buy and get Jakob Purtle. Why didn't they also try to make a move for Monte Morris on the Wizards? The Wizards suck. Monte Morris would be a perfect ninth man on this team. That would have been awesome. Really wish they they had done that and kind of doubled down on fixing the holes with this roster. Um, but that's besides the point with buyout market guys, you know, a Terrence Ross will be a lot of fun. I would have a great time with Terrence Ross back on the team. Not that it should all be just bringing back old dudes and remembering some guys and then bringing said guys back to your team. Nostalgia isn't always the best move, but I do think in this case, a Terrence Ross bombing off the bench would be not the worst thing in the world. Um, and truthfully, the buyout market is so long. The list is, is endless. I, I don't know if I have a, a great candidate top of mind, Pat Bev, you know, take or leave. I guess if you're making the play in, Pat Bev is the perfect guy to have on your team. <laughs> um, let's uh, get to another question here. Does anyone else have any questions uh, about super chats? Someone just dropped in a question here. I don't know how that works. I'll figure that out for the next live show. I apologize. Um, let's go to the next one here. Uh, Share Khan once again. What is the max combined number for the three free agents this coming summer? So again, I kind of ran through the last segment. The you know the theoretical, you know cap math they got to work around. It's about sixty million bucks per. Our friend Daniel Hackett over Raptors HQ, who I confirmed this with. It's about sixty million bucks if they end up waiving Thad Young, uh, that they have to get those three guys in under. Obviously, I think getting off Kem Burch's money helps in all this too. It's kind of an underrated part of that Kem deal. As much as they shouldn't have signed the Kem deal the way it was originally, maybe uh, I, I do think the uh, yeah I, I do think the. Um, oh my god, my brain just stopped working for a second. It's been a long day. Um, I do think getting off of Kem's money for next year does very much help matters. Um, either way, I, I think if you're looking at like 16 for Jakob yeah, the report from Michael Grange was that Gary Trent Jr. is probably not going to command that crazy a market just because of what I talked about, right? He's the type of guy who gets squeezed by the market. I would imagine four years, 80 mil is not crazy. You know, 20 mil a year for for Gary Trent Jr. seems doable. Maybe it's 22, something along those lines. So it's a bit more of a raise on what he's making right now. Um, But for Gary Trent Jr., I mean, you lock in a four-year deal at 80, 85 million bucks, you're still going to hit free agency again when you're 27, 28. Uh, And so he's still got a lot of earning potential here. With Fred Van Vliet, that's where it's interesting. I think it's probably going to end up being around 30 mil a year, four years, 120, four years, 130, something like that. And I know people might bristle at that. Fred Van Vliet's been awesome of late. And with a Yaka Pertle there to clean up the defensive bests, I think the defensive drop-off you've seen from him does in theory get a little bit less dramatically damaging to the team. You know, plenty of teams survive not great point guard defense, and they do it by having – Good rim protection. And so um, as one of the things, they also need good wing defense and help defense and all that stuff. But I do think the Pirtle addition really helps with the drop-off we've seen from Fred defensively. And his offense has looked awesome. Like, I, I I, think he's a really great fit on this team. I maintain that. When Fred's at his best, he's a perfect on-paper fit next to Pascal and Scotty in particular. Great fit next to Jakob Pertl as well. He's got himself a role partner now. Jakob Pertl's, like, shooting, like, 63% around the rim uh, or as just as, as a field goal percentage over the last little while here. He's a good finisher. I think it's nice. Um, so, yeah, I, I think between Fred at 35-ish or not 35 30 to 32 probably. you throw in Yak at uh, the the 16 million dollar range and then you get Gary for 20. What's the math there? about 70 million just over 70 72 maybe for those guys. That probably requires moving off of a Chris Boucher, which, you know, might hurt, obviously. He's been very good of late, but um, you know, I also think there's a very real chance one of Gary or Trent gets signed and traded in the offseason and that kind of solves the money problems for them. Um, Either way, let's get to another quick question here before we round out uh, the show. Let's go here with uh, Dunn out here. What happens when they go cold on shooting? Look, The Raptors have been cold on shooting all season long. I don't think Jakub Pertl really changes things that much. They haven't had shooting from the center position one time all year. There have been a couple of flourishes where Precious Achu has had good nights, but he's shooting 24% from three on the season. Um, The Raptors have made it work offensively without being a good three-point shooting team. I think that's to their credit, honestly. They've changed the way they play offense over the last month or so, and they have been around the top 10 since January 1st. Defense has always been the bigger issue. And so if they're having trouble shooting, maybe their defense can actually for once help them stop the dam when the offense is sputtering, although we've seen less of the uh, the, the the sputtering of the offense uh, of late. So... Yeah, I think uh, adding Yakup Pro to the mix does help a lot of these issues. Let's uh, get to this one also from ShareCon. What's the possibility of a sign-in trade with the Clippers if Fred is asking 35-plus mil a year? Totally possible. Maybe this is where Terrence Mann comes back in. I don't know. Um, the Clippers felt to me like a perfect landing spot for Fred. They really did and didn't happen. That's, uh, you know, I... I I would have done a deal involving a Luke Kennard and a Terrence Mann in a first-round pick. I think the, the the framework I put out there with those guys, I mean, your coffee in the 2028 first. easily would have done that I think for Fred as just like a a way to clean up the books I love Terrence Mann I think he's really cool really good that said you'd leave yourself without a point guard and they need a point guard they really badly need a point guard (laughs) like point guard play is important as much as center play is important point guard play is important and I don't think Scotty Barnes is ready just yet to take the reins as your full-time point guard and so I would bet actually if there is a sign and trade with someone it'd be gary over fred but um you know i'm just talking out of my butt over here too i don't know what i'm talking about i'm not connected i just look at things and read between lines um another point here not a question but this one from uh top shot tesla uh asking i don't want scotty coming up in a losing culture this is the argument for me as to why you do what the raptors have done here today you know again there was a middle of the road move where it wasn't a tear it down to the studs type of rebuild or anything like that but Obviously, the the more you give yourself a chance to win, the better. I think there is this sort of unspoken decay that can happen with teams that lose a lot. And the Raptors have lost a lot of late. You know, that Tampa season was damaging. Had they gone through the rest of this season and opted to just stink (laughs) through the the rest of the years, shut guys down? That has damaging negative value impact. It's not just... That you break confidence. it's You're not actually playing real basketball. You're not building continuity. You're not building your style of play or your identity. Um, and you're potentially alienating guys who, in the NBA, you don't want to alienate anyone who's very good because losing guys who are very good is crippling to your franchise. So this is, again, I think a big reason why going in and ensuring you're going to have a better shot at winning games down the stretch of the season, ensuring you have a better chance of being the good team that you haven't been so far this year, That all I think has positive value to it again, especially if you weren't going to get the actual deals you wanted to in exchange for Fred or OG or Trent at the deadline. Um, might have time for one more question here. Um, before we so, if anyone wants to pop them in, please do. Uh, you know, you got one second, you get five seconds to get a question in, please, please get them in. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think overall, I'm not as cold on this deadline as I thought I might be if they did nothing. Because I, I think Masai's explanations, maybe it's just using the party line and saying, hey, they said the thing's good. That the, I listened to him and it's all good. And maybe I'm just a mark. But I, I do feel like the logic makes sense. It's disappointing. It, it feels hollow. It feels like a bit of a half measure. But I also don't think you can really say for with any certainty whether this is good or not until you get to the off season and see how they play with their free agents and with og as well um you know obviously this could easily blow up and nicola yes you're right my smoke detector has been going off all day i apologize for that uh i haven't been able to leave this desk for like seven hours uh so uh gonna get it fixed either way uh <laughs> last question here from the guy matt asking from now to the end of the season what do you think you want to see the most Um, I mean, a push to as high as you can get in the play-in or potentially the sixth seed would be awesome. They're not too far out of it, obviously. They have a very easy schedule coming up here. That would be swell. Mostly, I want to see if they can find a way to sort of weaponize OG Ananobi and Gary Trent Jr. in sort of a... It's tough to say. I do think those guys are the sort of inherent tension with this team right now, right? They are two guys who are role players, who are overqualified for the role player duties they're being asked to perform. And I understand why they might want more. If those, if the reports are to be believed, I understand why OG might want more of a role. I get it. However, I... <laughs> like, those, those are good players. Like, you know, it, moving on from those guys is not easy. So I think the alternative to moving on from them is find a way to make it work with, the, with what you got. And can you find complementary lineups? Can you find in-between lineups? Can you find a regular rotation? For Christ's sake, get the same guys playing night to night so there's some continuity, some understanding, some role definition. I guess that's the thing is role definition and, you know, kind of a continuation of what we've seen over the last month or so. I really like OG Ananobi. I don't think he's good enough to allocate a ton of possessions to to try to figure out his on-ball game. Because I don't think the on-ball game is all that great. But if you can find a way to scratch whatever itch he has just enough to keep him happy, that to me is sort of the big challenge down the stretch of this season. Finding different combinations that work with Yak. Finding, um, you know, it's like it's a very weird, hard team to piece together. Lots of differing, sort of overlapping skills. Skills that create on-court tension. All of that really what i want to see over these final 26 games is a, a way to harmonize it all together and on the nick nurse side of things i mean i've been very critical of nick nurse i've been worried about the way his just sort of general demeanor has you know maybe impacted the overall feelings and vibes within the team like that's that matters i think coach wear out is a thing but this is an opportunity for nick nurse as well who again, Masai Ujiri said at his presser today, he didn't think he'd done a good enough job giving Nick Nurse the tools with which to operate and succeed with the team. He has his center now. Can he play a more reserve style of defense or can he make his hyper-aggressive style of defense work with Jakob Pertl as the backline cleanup man? We'll see. I think that is the thing, it is just can they shake some of the bad stuff that's dogged them for 56 games so far this year and find a way to get on some sort of run here with some sort of continuity, some sort of regularity in their rotations. Again, this could go really badly. If this is a disaster of the next 26 games, I think the view on what happens here is entirely different. And the you can start to, you know, throw your flaming piles of dog poo at OVO center all you want. Please don't do that. I didn't say to do it if you did. Um, but I do think that there is a very real chance that things do stabilize here. It's already been stabilizing, right? They have a positive point differential. They've winning. They're, they're winning more than they have the not over the last month or so. I think they're gonna move up. That I'm not that not too worried about. The Bulls stink. I don't think the Hawks are any good. Um, you know the the Knicks are whatever. Um, even the Nets could fall. Although I think the Nets are kind of better than people will give them credit for, and they've got a bunch of wins banked. But There is, uh, I think, a second or a half run coming here. And if they can achieve that, it means some pretty good things have happened, I think, as far as addressing some of the tensions that are at play here. And if not, then things get dicey. I'm going to leave it there. Thanks, everyone, for for hanging out on the live show today. Thanks for those who asked questions. If I didn't get to your questions, I apologize. Um, But uh, this should be at least interesting. If nothing else, the Raptors are going to play interesting basketball again, which they haven't really been doing for a while. The offense has been interesting. The defense has just been like a lost cause. I'm excited to watch Raptors defense once again with Jakob Purtle in tow, and uh, we shall see how it all plays out. Thank you so much for tuning into the live show. This will be your Friday audio podcast as well, if you're one of the audio listeners. Um, I may be able to squeak in some sort of jazz preview show tomorrow, but we'll see. I'm exhausted. My voice is fried. <laughs> so TBD on uh, if there's more content coming tomorrow. But there's the episode earlier today with Yaka Pertle I was on Locked at NBA for a quick chat with Kylan Mills uh, about the deal as well and sort of the Raptors thinking here. So we will leave it there. Thank you so much. Go make your uh, second listen of the day, Locked on Leafs. Our pals Mike and Dave over there doing a great job covering a very playoff-bound team in your Toronto Maple Leafs. And it should be a fun final 26 games, baby. Raptors Jazz tomorrow should be a blast. And uh, thanks, everyone. Bye-bye.